Thank you. In the next uh, few weeks, we are going to be walking through why church membership matters. Uh, last week, we talked about the biblical foundation to church membership that I uh, would encourage you, if you have the chance, go onto the website and listen to if you haven't had a chance to hear it. But I believe that in our day and age, we hold commitment very loosely, and that is carried over even to church. That we view church as an extra add-on if you have time. We don't view church or church membership as being vital to life and to spiritual uh, healthiness. And so what, what I want to do over the next few weeks is walk us through why church membership matters, why it's vital, and then the weeks after that, we're going to be looking at what it means to be a healthy church member. And so as we enter into this year, I want to spend a little bit of time focused on why you should want to join together with other Christians like we have here this morning, why you should want to be vitally connected to a church. And I believe we're going to, in two particular passages, we see this laid out for us, the first being Acts chapter 2, which Brother Randy has read for us. The second going to be Ephesians chapter 4, where we're going to be in just a little bit. And so I want you to have those two texts uh, at your fingertips so you can see them very quickly. But in Acts chapter 2, I want to show you that I believe that God's intent from the very, very beginning is that Christians would grow in relation to him while also growing in relation to each other. That God never intended for us to be spiritual orphans, to be off on our own, doing our own individualistic thing. God intended to grow his people by putting them together, that they would grow as a group. And so not only do we grow individually, but we come together because we know that God is going to grow us as we interact with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Church membership is vital to you as a Christian because God intends to grow you in the fellowship of other believers. And I believe in the regular fellowship of other believers, not just I hang out with a few every once in a while, or I'm with this group one Sunday and with this group the next, but that you would be with the same church family over and over again, that they would know you so well as to be able to help you mold and shape to look more like Jesus. I believe that's what the New Testament tells us. I believe that's what God has intended from the very, very beginning. And in Acts chapter 2, we see an early picture of the church. Now, I apologize. You've heard these before if you've been going to church here for any period of time. We've been walking through Acts on Wednesday. We've also covered Ephesians as we walked through that earlier. And so these two texts you've heard before most likely. But I want you to think through what God is saying in the midst of these verses. In Acts chapter 2, when the church is being birthed and, and we're getting a, an early glimpse of what they held as valuable, I want you to notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, what they devoted themselves to. We're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We see four things in particular that they uh, devoted themselves to. And I want you to notice they devoted themselves together to do these things. They didn't devote themselves simply as individuals that were going to do this. They devoted themselves and partnered together and committed together to pursue these things because that's what the word devoted means. It means to be pursuing something, to persevere in something, to persist in it. And let's be honest, left to ourselves, we won't persist in anything terribly long except sin. But if left to ourselves, you know how great that gym membership is? Right? Unless you got someone pushing you to go, you got someone rallying with you, we hold things so loosely and we're so uncommitted that it doesn't take long for us to fall away from being devoted to things that matter. And just so you know, as Christians, if we're not regularly together as a family, we will not devote ourselves as we should to these things. In fact, we can't because these things were meant to be done together. 
And so the early church, these Christians would commit to each other and they would partner together as a family and they would devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? They taught the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. They taught that he came, they spoke of his ministry, how he healed, how he served, and they talked about how he died on the cross for the sins of people, how he rose again from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. These are all the things the apostles taught on. And the early church came together to persistently talk and learn all of what Christ had done. You and I need each other regularly to point and remind us of what Jesus did, of what he taught and the truth. Because apart from that, we will start to manipulate truth to bend however we want it to. When no one's there to hold us accountable, we will start to twist the truth, forsake the truth, and depart from it. God knows that the only way we're going to grow as Christians is together we're going to continue to devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings, to the life and ministry of Christ, what he did for us. The gospel is what unites us together and it's what we devote ourselves to. But you can't do that by yourself. That requires togetherness with the church. Notice it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Hard to do that by yourself. Fellowship alone doesn't work. You need others. That fellowship is them coming together. It's a, it's a community. It is a binding together. And that's exactly what they did. As the early church, they knew they needed each other, and there was a togetherness that marked their assembling together. So much so they would share meals together. They would share life together. And that's what they devoted themselves to. Why? Because God intended to grow his people through this type of fellowship through this type of knowing other Christians and living life alongside them. We're told they broke bread together. We get that, don't we? We're cool with that part, right? The fellowships, the eating, doing all that stuff together. But in the end, I think the immediate context is this is around the Lord's Supper most likely. They celebrated and remembered the Lord's death on their behalf. And they did that together. We can't properly do that alone. That's why we should be celebrating Lord's Supper together here at the church with each other because that's where God intended for it to be celebrated among his people together as a family. Remembering that Jesus died to make us one family together. Not only that, but they dedicated themselves to the prayers. They prayed together. You know what? TV preacher is great, but he can't pray individually for you like he should because he doesn't know you. You know, Facebook is great, some of it. But they can't pray for you as they should because there's a disconnect. It's not togetherness. The early church prayed for each other and they knew what to pray for because they knew each other. They met together. They spent time together. Why? Because it was vital to their growth as a Christian. They could not grow as they should apart from devoting themselves together and being pushed by each other to look more like Jesus. Notice the result, verse 43. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That included unbelievers. Everybody got to see what God was doing in the midst of this fellowship of believers who had committed to each other. All came upon every soul. And then verse 44 says something very, very important. And all who believed. So now he's talking about Christians. And I believe he's talking about Christians in community with each other. And all who believed were together. I don't know if you know this, but God intends for you as a Christian to be together 
with other Christians who are part of your, your spiritual family. You need that. God knows how much we need it, and he provides it. And oh, how, how deceptive it must be for us to convince ourselves that we don't need togetherness with this family. That as a member of Fairhaven, that we might convince ourselves, oh, I don't need that regularly. It's nice if I have it every once in a while, but I don't need it all the time. This togetherness, I don't think, was just a moment in time. I believe this was something God intended the church to look like. And so often we treat church membership like it's nothing major. And the early church gives us the picture that togetherness and fellowship and growth as a Christian was necessary in order that they needed to be together in order to see that happen. They needed to live life together. We're told in verse 46 that, or verse 45 they went ahead selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They knew each other so well they knew what each other's needs really were and how to provide for them. Verse 46, day by day, which means constantly. They went to the temple together. That means they worshiped together. They broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God in the favor of, and had favor with all the people. Notice what happens. They lived life consistently all the time together, worshiping, fellowshipping, spending time, praying for each other, devoting themselves to the teachings of Christ. And all of that was for their growth. And we notice that God shows something that as they do that, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That type of community, that type of togetherness, that type of joining in vital fellowship with each other actually brought more people into the family of God. Because we can't demonstrate the family of God properly by ourselves. It's when we all come together from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different belief systems, and we all, God merges us all together into one family united together in the teachings of Christ. That's what God does to display his glory, and we can't do that apart from gathering together regularly and spending time together and living life together. God intended for us to be together as a family. And if you don't have a church family, I strongly urge you to find one quick. And being selfish, since you're attending here this morning, I would love for you to join this fellowship. Because you need it. Because God intends to grow us together. Now, number two, Ephesians 4. If you'll turn there with me. Look at that. We're already done with number one. You're welcome. Ephesians 4. Paul goes even further in describing to us this growth as a family. You remember, I pre uh, hopefully you remember, I preached this just a few months back. Ephesians chapter 4, let me remind you, uh, one of the illustrations I used is that uh, it would be very terrifying if you left your newborn babies at home by themselves for a long period of time and said, y'all handle it, you got it, right? Doesn't work, right? Little babies don't do well caring for themselves, and the same is true about church. Just the same way you wouldn't hand your car keys to the infant and say, let's go. It's the same way that we don't, as a church, continue to live as spiritual infants. God intends for us to grow up into mature adulthood, mature, spiritually full-grown adults in the Word of God. And Ephesians chapter 4 is where we see that intention. In fact, the book of Ephesians, Paul spends a great deal of time laying out why the church matters, 
not only in how they relate to each other and how they reveal what God has, uh, what God's redemptive plan is, but also in the fact that he says that the mystery of God, the wisdom of God is going to be made known through the church. And then he goes on to show why growth happens within the confines of the spiritual family. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Do you notice that God's intent to grow Christians is not done in individualistic life? It's actually done in the church community. That God gave the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the shepherds. He gave all those to the church so that the church would grow into mature manhood. That you wouldn't remain a spiritual infant, but you would grow up to a spiritual adult. You would understand and grow closer to Christ and be molded to look more like him. And that can't be done at home with a TV preacher. That can't be done by showing up to church once every 10 weeks or so. The only way we're going to grow as God intended is the regular devotion to each other and to the teachings of Christ, leading each other to look more like Jesus and to walk after him. And God intended that from the very beginning of the church's foundation. In fact, he tells us here that we are to grow up in the body of Christ. Verse 12, he gave those gifts of shepherds and teachers and evangelists and apostles to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. God knows that we struggle to grow, and so he's going to help us by putting us with other people who are going to push us and teach us the word of God to make us look more like Jesus. And the ultimate goal is that we would attain, all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Does anybody here feel that you have figured out Jesus fully? So you're not perfect yet is what you're saying. You don't have perfect knowledge. There's more of Christ to learn. There's more to know and more to understand deeply. And God intends for this to happen in the church together, assembled, growing together by understanding the word better and better and teaching ourselves and reminding ourselves of the beauty of what Christ has done. That we are to all attain to the unity of the faith. That we're unified in what Christ has done. And the truth is what unites us together. Right? The, we unite together because we have the truth in Christ and we all rally around that truth. We hold to it dearly and we teach it and we love it and we long to hear more of it. And he says the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the goal of our growth. 
Christ saved us to bring us to a greater knowledge of himself that we might know him. And oh, how we need to know more of him because there are so many days I forget everything that Christ has done for me. And I forget all the things he's purchased for me on the cross. And I forget what kind of victory he won from the grave and what that means for me. There's so many times I need to be reminded of what Christ has done for me as a sinner. And Christ is the goal of our growth. We are to grow up into him. And God intends that to be the case for all of his people, but we cannot do that apart from each other. We need a church family that pushes us to this end to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, for this purpose, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. See, God knows if, if we're on our own, if we're by ourselves, guess what we'll do? We will chase after every little wind of doctrine. That if we don't have anyone there to correct us and push us in the right direction... And remind us of what Christ has said and what he's taught, what the word of God says. We will chase after all kinds of deceptive doctrines and we will wander off away from the truth. Christ designed his church to grow up from spiritual infantry, infant, infancy up to Christ's full-grown Christians who love and serve Jesus. He's the goal of our growth, and he's also the source of it. We're told in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. In Christ is how we grow. He's the source of our growth and he's the way we grow. He's the goal and is the source of how we grow. We're to speak the truth in love to each other. And just so you know, that requires us to know each other on how we can do that well. How do you know how to speak the truth to me unless you know me and where my struggles are, where my weaknesses are, where my blind spots are? How are you going to help me to walk after Christ if you don't know who I am? See, let me be honest. This is part of the reason why some of us stay away from the church for so long is because we're afraid if we're too connected to it, people will know us. And they'll know all of our darkness, they'll know all of our sin, they'll know all of our brokenness. We're afraid to spend too much time together because if we spend too much time together, we're going to figure each other out. And we'd much rather just be anonymous and stay on the outside so no one can really know us and keep us accountable and push us in the truth. I'll be honest with you. That happens a lot more than what we think. There are some people who are afraid to step foot in here and get to know the people who are here because they're afraid they'll be known. Listen, Fairhaven, we are a church that can know people. Uh, okay, <laughs> we ain't Bellevue. You can't sneak around in Fairhaven. We'll know you. You come here long enough, we'll know you. And for some people, that is the scariest thing in the world. 
But what we need to help people see is that it shouldn't be scary. It should actually be freeing to us to know that we can actually be known by someone else. And that even if they know all of our sin and brokenness, they still love us with the gospel of Christ. They still pour out mercy and compassion on us. I believe Fairhaven is in a great spot to be able to push people to love Jesus more. You know why? Because we're at a spot where we can know you. And we can love you even knowing all the brokenness in your life. And we will love you with the gospel of Jesus. And we'll point you to his beauty. This is a great blessing that some churches don't have. We can actually be intimately connected with one another and know each other in a way that pushes us to look more like Jesus. Is that scary? Sometimes we prefer just to go to the big church that we can blend in and nobody's going to call us out. And I'm not discrediting that. I mean, that's great. God has different sized churches for his purposes. But at Fairhaven, you can't hide. And that's actually a blessing from God. That we can hold each other accountable in a loving, gospel-centered devotion to each other. But you need it. I need it. And what I want to do this morning is eliminate any idea that church membership doesn't matter to your life or to your growth as a Christian. I want you to be fully convinced from the testimony of God's word. And there's plenty of more places. Acts 2 and Ephesians 4 are just a couple. There's plenty of places in God's word that point us to this central fact. I want you to walk away this morning understanding your commitment and connection to this church is vital to your growth as a Christian. You cannot grow properly apart from regular devotion with this family. If you're a member of Fairhaven, you need this church. You need these people because they are the ones whom God has designed to help you to walk and look more like Jesus. There's a quote in my office on my monitor of my computer so I can see it every morning when I come in that says, the church is not a group of friends you choose to go to. The church are brothers and sisters in Christ that God has given you to be a part of. Amen. See, I don't believe you chose Fairhaven. I believe God intended for Fairhaven to be your family. That these brothers and sisters he brought you to he designed for you to be a part of because he's going to grow you and mold you and shape you through all the good and all the struggles, right? When you're driving each other crazy, guess what God's doing? Molding and shaping. When you disagree on theology, guess what God's doing? Molding and shaping. Those struggles, those those victories are all God's purpose in making us look more like Jesus so that one day we will stand before him and we will finally reach mature manhood. We will finally be perfect and it will be because of the fellowship together that Christ brought us to and grew us up in. Church membership matters. Not only because I believe it's biblical, but church membership is vital to you as a Christian because you cannot properly grow apart from a family of God that you're a part of. Ephesians 4 cannot happen on your own 
apart from the church. And so I want to help us all to see that this is important to us. I'm glad you came, not only so I don't have to preach to myself, but I'm glad you came because you need each other. And oh, how we need each other more than once a week. I need y'all more than that because I hate to break it to you, but Tuesday and Thursday, I still need you. Because I still need someone to push me to the truth of Christ, someone to push me to walk after him. And I can't do that by myself. I need you. My prayer is that if you're a member of Fairhaven, is that you will commit yourself to be a vital part of this body. That you wouldn't view yourself as just an attender who shows up and, and sits in a pew, but you would view yourself as a member of the body that is here and that you are a vital member of that. And this church is here for your benefit, for your growth. And that you would attach yourself, you would commit yourself to walking together after Jesus every day. That in 2019, we'd be able to say, as long as the Lord tarries, we would spend time together as a church pushing each other to love Jesus more. That you're going to put up with each other's faults and failures. And you're going to love each other through darkness and brokenness. That you're going to do that to show the lost and dying world what God does when he takes strangers and outcasts and makes them a family together. I want you to commit yourself as Fairhaven members to be vitally connected to this body throughout this year. That you would pray together, serve together, study together, devote yourself to, to being together and living life for the purpose of growing up into mature manhood. That one day we will be like Jesus because of all that he's done in our fellowship together. If you're not a member of a local church, you need to be, right? Because I just said, number one, I think it's biblical. Number two, it's, for your, it's vital for your growth that you be part of a church. And so I would prefer it be Fairhaven, but it may not be. But you need to be a member of a church that teaches the scriptures, teaches the truth. Do not remain a spiritual orphan. Join together with a body of believers, and we'd love to have you at Fairhaven. But let us not live the rest of this year alone, by ourselves, disconnected from the body of Christ. Let us devote ourselves. Let us be vitally connected together for the glory of God. Because he is the reason we do it. We don't do it to pat ourselves on the back. We do it to glorify God, our Father, who joined us together, who took people who were far off and brought them near, not only to himself, but to each other. Let us join together in 2019 to be vitally connected to each other that we might grow to look more like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you point us to the truth. That Father, we need each other. And oh, I need to be reminded of that. God, so many times I think that my Christian life is just about my own individual pursuit. But God, you remind me constantly in your word that you did not design me, you did not save me to live on my own. You designed that I would be saved into a family, that I would join together with other Christians who would shape me and mold me to look more like Jesus. And Father, I pray that I would not hold that loosely. Lord, I pray I would see clearly that this is vital to my life as a Christian, that I need these people. God, I thank you for giving me this family to be a part of. I pray, Lord, that I cherish that and I pray that I commit myself to that throughout this year. And Father, I pray that's true for every person who names Fairhaven their home. 
Father, that all of us as members would join together vitally, even through the good and the bad, God, even through the, the difficulties and the victories, God, that we would bind ourselves together to push each other to look more like Jesus and to demonstrate to a lost world what you do in the lives of people. You take individual strangers and you make them a family. And so, Lord, help us to do that well. Forgive us of where we fail to do that and help us to walk better in the power of the Spirit's working. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who's not vitally connected to a family, to a church that teaches the Bible, God, I pray you'll draw them to join this body. Lord, that they would no longer be a spiritual orphan, but God, they would connect with a family so that they might grow to look more like you. Lord, I thank you for all your grace and mercy and the countless ways, God, that you reveal yourself to us and show us your beauty. Help us to see your church as the mighty work of your hand. Lord, I thank you for this family. Lord, I pray you'd bind us closer together for your glory. Father, I pray this morning that everything we do and say will be for your glory and honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.